You are listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast, your weekly dose of knowledge brought to you by the Rio Bravo Family Medicine Residency Program in Bakersfield, California, a UCLA-affiliated program sponsored by Clinica Sierra Vista. Let us be your healthcare home. This podcast was created for educational purposes only. Visit your primary care provider for additional medical advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Rio Bravo Q Week. This is episode 133, and this is uh, going to be posted on March 24th, 2023. So today I have Jennifer, and she's my guest for today. We're going to be talking about neonatal jaundice. Thank you, Jennifer, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so yes, my name is Jennifer Lima, third-year medical student at Western University in Pomona, and I'm excited to be talking about neonatal jaundice with Dr. Ariaza. Yeah, neonatal jaundice is very common. We see it all the time here in clinic or in the hospital. So we see these babies are turning yellow and parents are freaking out. So it's important to be able to identify and treat in these conditions because uh, it can be very detrimental consequences to patients if we don't treat it right or on time. So let's start with the definition. What is neonatal jaundice? Yeah, so infant jaundice or neonatal jaundice is also known as hyperbilirubinemia, which is where the, there is a high level of serum bilirubin, which causes yellow discoloration of the newborn skin and eyes. Bilirubin is a red-orange byproduct of hemoglobin catabolism that, ca- that gives yellow pigment to skin and mucosal membranes. Yeah, and when we see jaundice on the eyes, so it is actually the conjunctiva color that we're seeing. So the term is uh, sclera icterus should be conjunctiva icterus because uh, you you but you may get corrected by some unaware clinicians however this knowledge has been available to us since 1979 but some people don't know that the actual sclera doesn't get stained by bilirubin it's actually the conjunctiva and more specifically the elastin that is in the conjunctiva so next time you see a baby with with yellow eyes make sure that you you mention the the actual term is conjunctival icterus. So let's talk about the big picture. What is the pathophysiology uh, of this neonatal jaundice? What is going on? Yeah, so the key problem is the accumulation of high levels of bilirubin in serum. And if left untreated, it can bind to tissues and cause toxicity. So there are multiple reasons why there might be too much bilirubin in the serum. Excess bilirubin can be due to a benign normal condition, but it can also be due to a pathologic reason. It is important to differentiate between these two because the management and treatment can differ significantly. Yeah, and bilirubin is very toxic to tissues, right? That's why the body traps bilirubin in albumin or an albumin which is a, spe- a specific protein in the blood. And when there is, uh, there is not enough places to bind this bilirubin, then the bilirubin goes, goes to the tissues and it starts binding other tissues and other proteins. That's when it causes toxicity, especially the bilirubin that is called the indirect bilirubin because then it gets transformed into direct bilirubin that is excreted on the bilis, right? But um, it's important to know these principles of medicine because uh, uh, when there is an overproduction of bilirubin, then the, uh, there is this condition that's called neonatal jaundice. So, but it also when it's under eliminated, so you can be producing normal normal amounts of bilirubin, but then you don't have the the way to get rid of them of the the high level. So let's talk about the um, the first kind of physiolo- the jaundice. It's called physiologic jaundice. Yeah, so for physiologic jaundice, that's actually the more common type. So most of the time, hyperbilirubinemia is benign and physiologic, with yellowing typically occurring between days two to four. 
Normally, there is a period of transition caused by the turnover of fetal red blood cells and the immaturity of the newborn's liver to efficiently metabolize bilirubin and increased enterohepatic circulation. The most common reason is that the liver is not mature enough to get rid of the bilirubin in the bloodstream or because the baby's gut is sterile, so it does not have the bacteria to convert the bilirubin and get it out of the body. In general, newborns have a higher level of total serum or plasma bilirubin levels compared to adults for the following uh, reasons. First, newborns have more red blood cells, so they have a hematocrit between 50 to 60, and fetal red blood cells have a shorter lifespan, so they have a lifespan of about 85 days compared to adults, which is about 120 days. After birth, there's also an increased turnover of fetal red blood cells, so there's more bilirubin. Second, Bilirubin clearance is decreased in newborns, so that's both conjugation and excretion, and that's mainly because of the deficiency of the hepatic enzyme UGT. And third, there's an increase in the enterohepatic circulation of bilirubin as the amount of unconjugated bilirubin increases due to the limited bacterial conversion of conjugated bilirubin to urobilinic. Yeah, another term for unconjugated would be indirect. That's what I meant with by indirect. And conjugated would be the direct bilirubin. So, um, like you mentioned... All the babies they have higher levels of bilirubin, all of them, because of those reasons that you mentioned. But it's important to know when it's normal and when it's not normal or when it's severe. So let's talk about pathologic jaundice now. Yeah, so pathologic jaundice includes severe neonatal hyperbilirubinemia, extreme neonatal hyperbilirubinemia, and bilirubin-induced neurologic disorders. So we determine the severity of the jaundice by using total serum bilirubin, and it's defined as TSB over 25 as severe and TSB over 30 as extreme. Other concerning signs include a TSB of over the 95th percentile, a greater than 5 milligrams per deciliter per day, or 0.2 milligrams per deciliter per hour, or jaundice that lasts for more than two to three weeks. Some potential pathologic causes include, but are not limited to, first, an increased bilirubin production from increased hemolysis, which is when the red blood cells in the baby are being destroyed faster than normal. This can be due to blood group incompatibilities where the mom's immune system starts to attack the baby's red blood cells, such as RH incompatibility, or from a red blood cell membrane defects such as spherocytosis. Secondly, birth trauma can lead to um, pathologic jaundice, and this is uh, usually secondary to vacuum or forceps delivery where we use the vacuum or forceps to help remove the baby from the vaginal canal. Third, infection can also prevent bilirubin from being metabolized and excreted. Fourth, uh, problems with bilirubin clearance, either from enzyme deficiency such as Kreigler-Najjar or Gilbert syndrome, can also cause pathologic jaundice. And lastly, obstructed biliary systems causing bile to get stuck in the liver is a potential cause of pathologic jaundice. So it's important to remember the definition. I think that pathologic jaundice is the one that we're always kind of like looking for because we don't want to miss it. So when it's severe, so when the bilirubin level is above 25, you call it severe and you have to then start the treatment right away. And when it's extreme, more than 30, so you start, you have to start an, uh, a transfusion with that baby immediately, right? Uh, an exsanguineal transfusion. So, uh, but other concerning signs, like you mentioned, if a baby is symptomatic, you know, regardless of the, the level of um, bilirubin that you have, you have to to start the treatment right away and to investigate deeply in what's causing these baby's symptoms. So it's important in the hospital to remember the 0.2 milligram per deciliter per hour because that's uh, uh, if it's higher than that, the rate is going too fast and you have to start either working up the baby or starting treatment right away. So uh, of course you, would, you don't want to miss a sepsis. So that's why it's important to remember, Jenny, like you said, infection. 
because infection is going to cause a hyperbilirubinemia, especially when it's in the first 24 hours of life. So, um, so let's talk now about the severe hyperbilirubinemia. I think we're all scared of that. Like we don't want to see a baby who goes into severe hyperbilirubinemia. But, but what happens when you have a high level in the blood of bilirubin, what happens to the brain? Yeah, absolutely. So our biggest concern for severe hyperbilirubinemia is its potential to cause brain damage. So the amount of bilirubin and the duration of bilirubin can ultimately determine the severity of brain damage. And this is because bilirubin blocks some of the mitochondrial enzymes from being able to function properly. It can inhibit DNA synthesis and protein synthesis, and that can cause DNA damage. This can ultimately lead to acute bilirubin encephalopathy, which is described as three different phases. The first phase includes poor feeding, lethargy, hypotonia, and seizures. Phase two with increased tone in the extensor muscles causing neck contractions. So that includes retrocolis and epistotonus. And phase three with generalized increased tone. If the bilirubin encephalopathy persists, it can also ultimately cause cerebral palsy, sensory neural hearing loss, and gaze abnormalities. Yeah, so the babies, they start being very floppy and then they become hypertonic. So that's why when you do an exam on a newborn, and the, the newborn looks more like floppy and, you know, very soft, so you might be a little bit of a little bit concerned and check the bilirubin faster than, than, than later. So um, that's good to remember that those signs, a baby that is floppy, there is something wrong, and a baby who is hypertonic is also uh, uh, needing a, a more specific or more deep uh, evaluation. So yeah, now, now let's talk about the treatment, okay? So I was thinking in, English, in Spanish, uh, Jennifer, I have to correct myself because I said exsanguino transfusion and that's the word in, in Spanish, but the word in English is exchange transfusion, okay? I just want to make sure that the, our listeners, they get the right term. Exchange transfusion is for, is for a severe or for an extreme case of jaundice. So let's talk about the treatment of jaundice in babies. We start with the no phototherapy and then we talk about phototherapy. Perfect. So for the no phototherapy options, the goal of treating jaundice is mostly to safely decrease the amount of bilirubin in the body. So oftentimes babies with mild hyperbilirubinemia do not get any treatment and we watch and wait. However, in premature babies, there's an increased risk for brain toxicity because there's a lower amount of bilirubin can actually result in brain toxicity. So for these babies, it's really important to to ensure there's adequate breast milk in both preventing and treating jaundice because it helps the baby get rid of bilirubin through the stool and urine. So I always tell the parents, you know, um, when I send them home and, you know, the baby has a high, it's not still high enough for phototherapy, then I tell them, well, you can remove the baby's clothes, just leave the diaper on and sit with your baby by the window and um, that UV light is going to help to break down the bilirubin that is on the skin of the baby and also increasing, you know, intake of um, breast milk or just a formula. It can increase the excretion of the bilirubin uh, through the, the stools. So that's important to remember that there is an option that doesn't require phototherapy. But of course, we have levels and um, I really love the Billy tool. So the BillyTool.org. It's a great tool for you as a primary care provider to determine if the baby needs phototherapy or not and what the next step is going to be when you're going to follow up with that baby. So it's an excellent tool that I recommend everybody to use because it's, uh, it contains very good information. So uh, now let's talk about phototherapy. What, what is it and what are we gonna, when are we going to do it? Yeah, so other babies um, do get phototherapy, which is also otherwise known as light therapy. So phototherapy light treatment is when the baby's skin is exposed to a special blue light. And that blue light helps to break down the bilirubin and helps with the excretion in stool and urine. 
The phototherapy should be continuous and placed on as much skin as possible, and the treatment should be administered until the bilirubin levels drop to a safe level based off of the baby's hour-specific thresholds. Yeah, and we have to remember home phototherapy is also an option. So there is UV blankets or blankets that you can rent or purchase in Amazon. So these blankets, they have UV light. Of course, you use it in case of mild jaundice, or you can use it in cases where you don't have access to a hospital to admit the patient uh, for phototherapy in the hospital. But it's available for us to th consider for some babies who have mild mild bilirubin. Of course, we have to establish a system to follow up with that baby. You don't just you just don't send the baby with a blanket home and say, I'll see you next month. No, you follow that baby closely to make sure that the, the bilirubin is going down and that the therapy is working. We screen everyone, right? In, in the United States, we screen all the babies for, for neonatal jaundice. So let's talk about the benefits of doing this. Yeah, so it's very important to screen um, all babies for bilirubin, um, especially prior to discharge to identify babies who are at risk for developing severe hyperbilirubinemia. So hyperbilirubinemia is extremely common in newborns, like we talked about, with nearly all neonates having a higher total serum bilirubin than adults. The reason we rescreen is that it reduces the risk of developing severe hyperbilirubinemia and ultimately brain damage. The universal screening also then decreases hospital readmissions for neonatal hyperbilirubinemia. So we normally check the bilirubin at 12 and 24 hours in the hospital, and that's in a typical pediatric unit. And of course, different hospitals, they have different protocols, but this is uh, pretty much the same. And then we use a bilimeter, which is a transcutaneous uh, meter for bilirubin. And if we suspect that it's not accurate, and then we do a serum bilirubin. So we have to be aware of the accuracy of these uh, instruments because sometimes it cannot be so accurate in patients of certain ethnicities or certain colors of the skin, so it can be inaccurate. So the serum bilirubin is probably a better choice in those patients. So, but how do we screen, Jenny? Can we talk about that? Yeah, so we usually do this prior to newborn discharge, like we mentioned, through either a transcutaneous bilirubin device, TCB, or a lab total serum bilirubin, TSB. <clears throat> the bilirubin level is used with the assessment of risk for development of severe hyperbilirubinemia. Newborn bilirubin screening guidelines include the TSB or TCB within the 24 to 48 hours after birth or before discharge. TCB is the non-invasive test, but TSB is the gold standard for assessing for neonatal uh, bilirubin. Newborns with visible jaundice in the first 24 hours should be concerned for severe hyperbilirubinemias, and these babies should be screened earlier because of the risk for pathologic causes of jaundice. In addition to the bilirubin test, physicians will clinically assess by examining the skin under ambient or daylight to assess whether there is a yellow discoloration of the buccal, gingival, or conjunctival mucosa. Additionally, if the baby presents with scleral icterus, pallor, bruising, hepatosplenomegaly, or cephalohematoma, which is the enclosed hemorrhage, um, these can be clinical presentations of neonatal jaundice. Okay, well, we screen the baby and we determine that, um, you know, the baby has a high level or higher level of bilirubin. So what do we do after screening? After screening, we recommend that babies be closely monitored if jaundice does occur, as it can be well managed with early treatment. A quick way to assess this at home is to press gently on the baby's forehead, and if the skin looks yellow where you press, it's probably jaundice. If your baby does not have jaundice, then the place where you press, it should look lighter than normal. That's excellent. So that's a good way to know if you have jaundice in your baby. So, okay. So, well, Jenny, it's been great. A great conversation, a great analysis of this topic. Let's remind all the listeners to take good care of our babies. You know, if your baby is turning yellow, if the baby is turning yellow in your clinic, just make sure you 
you take the bilirubin with a serum bilirubin and that you follow up those levels because uh, sometimes with the amount of patients we see, we order a bilirubin and then the bilirubin stays there in the in-basket for a while. But let's make sure that we're following, we are following these patients up very closely because a very high bilirubin can be detrimental for their brain and for their whole body. So uh, that's just my message for the, for the listeners. So thank you, Jenny, for being here. Thanks for having me. And thank you guys for listening to us. Have a nice day. Now we conclude episode number 133, Needle Natal Jaundice. Jennifer explained the pathophysiology behind the increased levels of bilirubin in babies. She reminded us that it is a physiological process. But when the level of bilirubin is too high, then we need to start treatment. Treatments include indirect sunlight, exposure of the baby, breastfeeding, and in some cases, phototherapy, IV fluids, and even antibiotics, and exchange transfusion in some cases. Dr. Ariaza reminded us of the importance of screening and monitoring Villa babies in the clinic. This week, we thank Hector Ariaza and Jennifer Lai. Audio editing by Adrian Silva. Even without trying, every night you go to bed a little wiser. Thanks for listening to Rio Bravo Q Week podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at Week at clinicasierravista.org or visit our website, riobravofmrp.org slash qweek. See you next week.